Welcome to the war from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. The world awaited the coming of VJ Day, and the whole process came or began on August 14th. The United States and the Allies accepted the unconditional surrender of the Japanese. Though uh, finalization of VJ Day uh, would be a little bit more complicated, but we'll get into that uh, in a second. But we'll begin now with uh, coverage from uh, the mutual broadcasting system. We've done a lot of CBS and NBC, but here now from the mutual uh, newsroom is uh, their coverage of Japanese surrender news from August 14th of 1945. It would probably be with us. We've been kept a number of times since then without getting it, but now it is here. The president announced at 7 p.m. today the unconditional and an unqualified surrender of the Japanese. General Douglas MacArthur takes over as the Allied Supreme Commander and the man who will tell Emperor Hirohito just how to run Japan. General MacArthur will also accept the formal surrender for the United Nations, the United States acting as the country for the other members of the United Nations. That is the bulletin just given to us from the White House conference in Washington. We had received word a few moments ago that almost the entire cabinet had gone into the White House for the press conference and was on hand for this great announcement. Stay with us for further news coming to us regularly. General MacArthur, the man that so many hoped would be the gentleman in charge and would go over and take over the Japanese islands and supervise their performance until an election was held, has now been named the Allied Commander-in-Chief over Japan to command Emperor Hirohito. At the same time that our president was making the surrender announcement, Clement Attlee, Prime Minister of Great Britain, announced it in a broadcast over the international BBC broadcasting station, Beam to America. Word had been given us today that the announcement would be made concurrently in the four capitals of the United Nations, the four leaders of the United Nations. Our reply, the reply sent to us from Japan, had no qualifications whatsoever. They accepted the terms that were laid down for them at the Potsdam Conference. And this conforms exactly with the Potsdam Declaration, the declaration that President Truman sent to Japan. Word went to Japan, giving them this proclamation. And if they had taken it at that time, many lives would have been saved. They chose to fight on. As a result, Russia entered the war. Two atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshito and Nagasaki. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And many more. Hundreds of thousands of lives were lost as a result of Japan's obstinacy, or for whatever reason they may have chosen to refuse to accept the surrender terms at that time. But now, at 7 p.m., August 14, 1945, that war which was started by the infamous attack on Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941, has now come to a close. Japan has surrendered unconditionally to the United Nations. More news will come to us immediately from the White House press conference. Mutual representatives were on hand, flashed the news to us immediately, and we brought it to you just at the very moment. Of course, pandemonium has broken loose at the White House. The great press conference was on hand. 150 newsmen, 35 photographers, all trying to get in to be first to come out with that news. President Truman announced today that fighting in the Second World War has ended. He also announced that General of the Army, Douglas MacArthur, has been appointed Supreme Commander of the Allied Army of Occupation in Japan. MacArthur will rule Japan through 
Emperor Hirohito. The Emperor, however, is retained. The news given to us is that the Emperor is retained. No more lives will be lost in the Pacific. No more soldiers will go in that direction to give their blood in order to bring the peace which we must have in this generation and we hope in every other generation. We've just received word that Emperor Hirohito's own signature were on the documents of surrender. His own signature on those documents of surrender. Now much talk has gone around concerning just where the surrender will be formally signed. The Emperor will order all armed forces under his command. We're bringing you the news just as quickly as it is given to us. The Emperor will order all armed forces under his command to lay down their arms immediately. Full surrender in all parts of the world. Wherever Japanese troops have been fighting, they will now conform to full surrender in all parts of the world. The President said, I've received this afternoon a communication from the Japanese government in reply to the message forwarded to that government by the Secretary of State on August 11th. I deem this reply a full acceptance of the Potsdam Declaration, which specifies the unconditional surrender of Japan. And as we told you just a couple of moments ago, Prime Minister Attlee just stated that the surrender of arms was authorized by the Emperor in official Japanese reply, carrying a full approval of the Emperor. The document was signed by Tojo, by Tojo also. The President has declared a two-day holiday in honor of VJ Day celebration that was started this morning will be continued. National holidays, two of them. It was announced in England the other day that there would be two holidays over there, and now there's been a two-day holiday announced for all government departments and agencies. We have not been told yet just when that two-day holiday will be, but no doubt it'll be very soon. VJ Day is with us. I know you're all just as happy as we are here in the Mutual Newsroom to be able to flice to you all these details concerning VJ Day, which is finally with us. Long years of war, war which captured and took care of Italy, war which did, wa- which did away with Mr. Mussolini, war which took us in to do away with the Nazis and to vanquish Hitler has now overcome Hirohito. We want to clarify one thing. Uh, in New York, we can uh, tell by looking out the windows that uh, Bedlam has broken out in Times Square. We're going over there in a little while and bring you the color and the... Uh, description of that scene, but we do want to emphasize one thing, that D.J. Day, as such, will not be proclaimed until after the formal signing of the surrender terms by Japan. It's realized in the Pacific War, Great Britain, Russia, and China will be represented at the signing, as you've heard, by high-ranking officers. The Japanese government's message accepting the allowed terms said that Emperor Hirohito is prepared to, quote, authorize and ensure the signature by the Japanese government and the Imperial General Headquarters of the necessary terms for carrying out provisions of the Potsdam Declaration. End of the quote. But uh, it's no uh, time to uh, dim anyone's uh, joy and enthusiasm. Everyone is uh, wild with uh, enthusiasm out in the streets. The ticket tape uh, and paper snowstorm has started again. But VJ Day will not be proclaimed uh, officially until after the formal signing of the surrender terms by Japan. Uh, as uh, we've told you, and as Paul Cupid has emphasized, uh, that will take uh, just a bit of time yet. Simultaneously, Mr. Truman disclosed that Selective Service is taking immediate steps to slash inductions from 80000 to 50000 a month. Henceforth, Mr. Truman said, only those men under 26 will be drafted for the reduced quotas. Hereafter, only men under 26 will be drafted for the reduced quotas. Now, uh... We're going back 
to the newsroom again. The reduction of selective servicemen, as we just told you, was ordered by the president through the director of selective service, General Hershey. The reduction has been made from 80,000 to 50,000, but will uh, leave sufficient men to provide replacements for men with long service in the Pacific. As most of us know, those of us acquainted with men who have served in the Pacific, there has been many, many years of service by many of our Yanks after going to the Pacific. They have not had the opportunity to come back to these quarters, the opportunity that has been given men who fought in other areas of the world. And now those men will have the opportunity to come back just as quickly as possible. Though the Selective Service Group has been reduced, though the Selective Service Group has been reduced, it is enough to allow an exchange of men and to allow them uh, to continue their job over there. We want to repeat, VE Day is with us, Japan, VJ Day, <laughs> they're all over now, so we get mixed up. Japan has surrendered unconditionally, and General Douglas MacArthur has been named Allied Commander-in-Chief to rule over Hirohito. And so, on this day, at five seconds, after 7 o'clock, August 14, 1945, the war has ended. There will be no more fighting. The President will proclaim B.J. Day. Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Welcome back. So uh, there was this uh, situation where the Japanese surrender had been received, hostility had ceased, but the official declaration of VJ Day wouldn't occur until the surrender was actually signed on September 2nd. Still, people were celebrating, and they were celebrating uh, in uh, President Truman's hometown of Independence, uh, Missouri. And this uh, comes uh, from KMBC uh, from August 14th, live from uh, Independence, Missouri. We're speaking to you, ladies and gentlemen, from 216 North Delaware. That's just across from the Summer White House here in Independence. We're speaking from the front lawn of the home of Mrs. Joseph T. Nolan, the president's aunt. A few minutes ago, 
We were talking to Mary Margaret Truman, and we had thought that she might have something to say over this broadcast or perhaps give us a prepared statement. But she told us that she had been talking with Charlie Ross in Washington, and it had been decided that she had better not make any sort of an official statement. However, she did say that she'd been spending the day very quietly and that she was very, very happy. She had lunch with a friend, and as we talked with her, she was on the back porch, one of the rear porches of the Summer White House here on North Delaware Street in Independence, with her grandmother and her aunt. A few moments ago, a young lady walked around the uh, side uh, walk of the house to that rear porch, and it is a friend, no doubt, that Mary Margaret had said she was expecting. She said, as we've noted, that she was very, very happy, and then she proved she was also very, very human, because she said, what station can I hear this over? We walked out toward the street with a Secret Service man, and we asked him if there had been any sort of a procession going by the Summer White House since the announcement in Washington, and he told us there had been quite a number of cars going by in cases. They've been blowing their horns. We've noted that since we've arrived here and uh, parked ourselves on the front lawn of Mrs. Nolan's home across from the Summer White House, and occasionally a bicycle or two with uh, youths of perhaps high school age will go by, and if they have a bell attached to the bicycle, they ring it furiously. A few people have walked by and paused in front of the Summer White House and just just looked at it for a moment and then gone on. You can perhaps hear a car horn blowing now. There are not a great many of those, but a procession, well, perhaps we... Seems we spoke a little too quickly. Right at the moment, uh, the procession starts. I imagine they have come from the courthouse square, where another point of our broadcast has been originating, and they're going by now here, and once in a while somebody will yell as they go by. I don't know whether you can hear that or not. Out here on the front wall of Mrs. Nolan's front yard, there's a wall just at the edge of the sidewalk. There's a white kitten that's been up here and introduced itself to us a little bit earlier in the evening. It's out there now watching the procession go by and taking things very calmly. That seems to be Independence' general attitude, as a matter of fact, with the exception of the courthouse square. There are a, a few uh, horns blowing, a few people yelling. Somebody seems to have fired off a firecracker or two. But up to just a matter of minutes ago, we hadn't heard a bit of that here. It had been very quiet, and as I drove in this evening from Kansas City and came through the south part of Independence, I noticed particularly the quietness that seemed to prevail. A man walked along the street with a lunch box in his hand. He was uh, sort of smiling. You knew that he had heard the good news, and he was happy about it. He seemed to be thankful. People were sitting in their uh, lawn chairs and chatting, and it's a rather a cool summer evening here in Independence. Independence, you know, is somewhat cooler because of its elevation than some spots in the state of Missouri. Earlier today, I was talking to Ed Carnes of the Independence Examiner. There went a firecracker, and that white kitten that we spoke about on the front wall took off and is now way out in the backyard here. Somebody threw that one just a little bit close for that particular kitten. Across the street, let me interrupt myself just a moment to give you the exact picture here. Across the street, in front of the White House, a man and his wife and son walk slowly by. That's a rather peaceful setting over there. In front of it, the cars are more numerous now as they go by and blow their horns. I know you can hear those horns, and that's where that noise is coming from. Here's a, here's a repeater. This fellow seems to have been around the block. He, he's just circling now, and probably as the evening progresses, we'll have a little more of that. People will make this a focal point, perhaps, although it had been hoped that they would not, that they'd confine their celebrating to perhaps the downtown part of Independence and sort of avoid as much as possible this summer White House out here where all they want is peace and quiet so they can be thankful and very happy about what has occurred today. 
Well, we were speaking about Ed, the conversation with Ed Carnes of the Independence Examiner. I talked uh, with him on the phone, and he said that out at Independence at that time, that was near noon, things were very tense. There was the expectancy in the air that prevailed over the nation as a whole, in fact, over the world. He said there hadn't been any celebrations. I asked him about the mayor, Mayor Roger T. Sermon. He told me the mayor was over at his grocery store. He said that the mayor was probably, uh, at that moment, weighing out or measuring out beans and sugar and green tomatoes, and that he had a radio set up beside him in the store, and he was listening to it very attentively. He said also that the mayor had promised uh, Harold V. Starr of the Independence Chamber of Commerce somewhat earlier in the day that he would be extremely careful this time to not set off the electric light plant whistle prematurely. You know, in the case of the uh, peace in the European War, Mayor Sermon inadvertently touched it off 24 hours too soon. Well, today he'd promised that he wouldn't have anything of that kind happen again. He'd be extremely careful about it. And Carnes of the Independence Examiner said that he probably would hear the announcement on the radio and also would check with the examiner office. That apparently has taken place, for as we drove into Independence, we pulled up at the curb as a man and his wife went by, an elderly man and his wife, and asked them about that whistle. And the man assured us that the uh, light plant whistle had gone off in proper style after the announcement was made in Washington that the war was over. So that seems to have been pretty well taken care of. Independence, you know, is an old town. And that summer White House across from us is some 80 years old. It has 14 rooms. It has stained glass windows in the front. We noticed that as we walked up to it. It's indeed a peaceful setting this evening. And here we sit, parked on the lawn. Well, that was a close one, and the white kitten is starting away again. A car went down a little alley that's right here beside us, where we are parked on this very comfortable lawn in a very comfortable chair that belongs to Mrs. Nolan. And we're, we're sitting here, and the car went by, and somebody tossed that firecracker. Well, they, they're tossing them right and left out here now, as you can hear. And the white cat has completely disappeared. As a matter of fact, I think that's a good time to take a cue from the white kitten. I believe we'd, we've covered this particular listening post on the Independence Front this evening. I think it's time that we return you to Gene Dennis at the Courthouse Square. Welcome back. Well, uh, methods of filling airtime have, uh, in some ways, not changed that much. Uh, nice slice of life with a look at, you know, having a president from a small town does come in handy in that regards, as you get kind of a small town reaction, and a kitten that enjoyed uh, 15 minutes of fame. Well, preparations began for the signing of the official surrender aboard the USS Missouri. General Douglas MacArthur, as Supreme Commander of the Allied Powers, presided over the surrender ceremony and delivered a brief but very powerful speech. So let's go ahead and we will take a listen to that uh, speech from General MacArthur. Today the guns are silent. A great tragedy has ended. A great victory has been won. The skies no longer rain death. The seas bear only commerce. Men everywhere walk upright in the sunlight. The entire world lies quietly at peace. The holy mission has been completed. And in reporting this to you, the people, I speak for the thousands of silent lips forever stilled among the jungles and the beaches and in the deep waters of the Pacific, 
which mark the way. I speak for the unnamed brave millions homeward bound to take up the challenge of that future which they did so much to salvage from the brink of disaster. As I look back on the long, tortuous trail from those grim days of Bataan and Corregidor, when an entire world lived in fear, when democracy was on the defensive everywhere, when modern civilization trembled in the balance, I thank a merciful God that he has given us the faith, the courage, and the power from which to move victory. We have known the bitterness of defeat and the exaltation of triumph. And from both, we have learned there can be no turning back. We must go forward to preserve in peace what we won in war. Now we turn to the NBC News uh, recap of the uh, day's events um, from uh, September 2nd of 1945. During these past 46 minutes, the National Broadcasting Company has brought to its listeners the historic events transpiring aboard the battleship Missouri in Tokyo Bay, the formal signing of the document of surrender to the United States and her allies by the representatives of Japan. At this hour, it is 16 minutes past 11 a.m. in Tokyo on the day of the 2nd of September in this year of our Lord, 1945. On the broadcast recorded aboard the USS Missouri, you heard the voices of Merrill Muller of NBC and Webley Edwards. From the White House, President Harry S. Truman addressed the nation. The victory proclamations of General MacArthur and Admiral Nimitz were prepared for the occasion and recorded for use tonight. The signatures of the Japanese envoys have been put upon the surrender document. The National Broadcasting Company has called upon its symphony orchestra and upon Arturo Toscanini to commemorate the occasion. We suggest that you keep tuned to this station for Victory, Act Three, with Arturo Toscanini conducting the NBC Symphony Orchestra, which will follow immediately. This is the National Broadcasting Company. National Broadcasting Company presents Arturo Toscanini and the NBC Symphony Orchestra in Victory, Act Three. Twice now, we have had Maestro Toscanini, music symbol of democracy militant, conducting in celebration of the victory of plain men and women everywhere over the forces of those who would place them under the yoke of fascism and militarism. On September 9th, 1943, it was the downfall of the fascist state in Italy. On May 8, 1945, it was the death knell of the Nazi state in Germany and occupied Europe. Now, Japan, oppressor and scourge of the peoples of the Far East, has at last capitulated to the armed might of the United Nations. We have crushed the forces of fascism, Nazism, and Japanese imperialistic aggression. 
Now, our task is to root out from the hearts of men everywhere, at home and abroad, the ideas that gave them birth. To unite with all nations throughout the world to make peace a living and eternal reality. So that it may be said that this earth is truly a place where all men are brothers. It is with this in our hearts tonight that we listen now to music that tells of all that is great, idealistic, and heroic in man. Music envisioned in the imagination of Ludwig van Beethoven nearly a century and a half ago, and called by him Heroic Symphony to celebrate the memory of a great man. Arturo Toscanini conducts the NBC Symphony Orchestra now in this symphony number three in E-flat, the Heroica Symphony by Ludwig van Beethoven. Thank you. 
episode uh here now is harry s truman president of the united states speaking on vj day my fellow americans supreme allied commander general macarthur and allied representatives on the battleship missouri in tokyo bay the thoughts and hopes of all america indeed of all the civilized world are centered tonight on the battleship missouri there, on that small piece of American soil, anchored in Tokyo Harbor, the Japanese have just officially laid down their arms. They have signed terms of unconditional surrender. Four years ago, the thoughts and fears of the whole civilized world were centered on another piece of American soil, Pearl Harbor. The mighty threat to civilization which began there is now laid at rest. It was a long road to Tokyo, and a bloody one. We shall not forget Pearl Harbor. The Japanese military will not forget the USS Missouri. The evil done by the Japanese warlords can never be repaired or forgotten. But their power to destroy and kill has been taken from them. 
Their army and what is left of their navy are now impotent. To all of us, there comes first a sense of gratitude to Almighty God, who sustained us and our allies in the dark days of grave danger, who made us to grow from weakness into the strongest fighting force in history, and who has now seen us overcome the forces of tyranny that sought to destroy his civilization. God grant that in our pride of this hour we may not forget the hard tasks that are still before us, that we may approach these with the same courage, zeal, and patience with which we face the trials and problems of the past four years. That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, KenCurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net.